Thanks for tuning into my podcast, Marnie on the Move. Each week, I will be inviting interesting, innovative movers and shakers to join me on the show and share their story. You will discover and hear from thought leaders, experts, influencers, and entrepreneurs from the worlds of wellness, sports, beauty, fitness, fashion, and more. Marnie on the Move will feature an eclectic mix of people I know, work with, and think are generally doing cool things. On each episode, I sync up with my guests about life, career, and training, and showcase their expertise and story. Hi, and welcome to the Marnie on the Move podcast. I'm your host, Marnie Salop. As always, thanks for listening. If you like what you hear, you know what to do. Leave a review. It's easy. Just scroll through the list of Marnie on the Move podcasts on your app, on your phone or your iPad. Click on Rate a Review. Share what you like about the podcast, your favorite episodes, what inspires you. Share it with friends on social. And of course, you can always email a link of the episode that you love to your friends. Don't forget, send me your questions for the new Fueled by MOTM segment where we answer guest questions. Ask me anything. If I don't have the answer, I'll ask a guest expert. And sign up for our newsletter, The Download, to find out about upcoming events and summits this summer, great deals, offers, and giveaways. Now, on to the episode. This week is a live conversation with guests, Keith Smart, who is an Olympic silver medal winning fencer and GM of Chelsea Piers Fitness in New York City and financial planner Emily Barbie. We talk about training, goal setting, planning, and getting in shape physically, mentally, and financially. This episode was recorded back in January as part of our well-intentioned Marnie on the Move Wellness Summit. The summit showcased panels, classes, and workshops empowering listeners with strategies and tactics to set goals across all arenas of wellness. Like I said, fitness, finance, career, spirituality. There are two other live podcasts from the series that will air this summer. I thought it would be fun to post it six months later and see if we're all sticking to our plans, if we are still in alignment with our intentions and how we have shifted and pivoted along the way. I hope you enjoy. Thanks again for coming to Chelsea Pierce Fitness in Brooklyn. And we are really excited to have you here listening to this amazing panel. So I know that it's, you know, we're we're 19 days into 2019 and everyone has intentions and plans and goals that they're setting for the new year. And so it was our vision to bring some experts to light and for you to connect with and meet. So this morning we had our human design panel. So now you all should have the tools and you should know who you are and how you are going to put together a strategy and a plan to achieve whatever goals you have. Today we're going to talk about finance and fitness. And I brought two of the cities and globally renowned experts here to talk to you about it. So we're going to start with Keith Smart. Does everybody here know Keith? Have you met him before at the gym? So you know that he is the person you need to know at Chelsea Pierce Fitness, but I'm sure you also know that he's an Olympic silver medalist and a fencer, and he's a three-time Olympian, right? So, and he did that all before he was 30, and he was smart enough before he was 30 to know that he also was not going to be an athlete forever in that capacity. So he went to school, got his MBA at Columbia Business School, went on to work at Google, launched his own company, and then 
he still has his own company, and he's the regional general manager at Chelsea Pierce Fitness. So awesome to Keith. Thank he's going to talk about fitness and training and what it takes to you know, stick to your goals, the work that you need to do. And he can also talk a little bit about running a business and you know, finance and all of those things. And we also have new to the podcast, because Keith also was on the podcast a few weeks ago. I don't know if you guys have listened. But we also have Emily Barbie, who is a three-time marathoner, a runner, and a financial analyst at Merrill Lynch, where she has been in the financial services industry since 2011. She is quite the expert. No, not since 2000. <laughs> Wait, you're not an expert? <laughs> she is being modest. Um, and so I'm going to let Emily tell you a little bit more about what she does, because she's going to demystify this whole idea of having somebody help you give you your strategy and a plan for your finances before we even get started. So Emily, take it away. Yeah, thanks, Marnie. It's a... Uh I, I, I'm a little upset. I had to follow Keith in <laughs> his description. He's so accomplished. Um, but uh, kind of like Marnie said, I'm a financial advisor. I, I started in the finance industry around 2011. Um, and then I joined my current team in 2013. I started more in, in an administrative position. And a couple of years ago, got um, my certified financial planner certification and, and was brought up on my team to be a financial advisor with my senior partners. I think a lot of people, when when I say financial advisor or Wall Street or big bank, it triggers kind of negative reactions because, obviously, in the media and of course in real life, there's been a lot of a lot of people have been taken advantage by people on Wall Street. You know, you've seen The Big Short, you've seen Wolf of Wall Street. Um, sure, they're definitely people like that. Certainly more regulation around um, our industry now because there are a lot of people like that. Um, But, but nowadays really we, we uh, in the industry, we work with people. um, We have to, we work with people in a fiduciary manner, which means that we have to um, do what's best for the client. We always put the client first. Um, and uh, what, what that means is when I meet somebody or one of my team members meets somebody, uh, we sit down and it's really a conversation. We want to know more about you. What are your goals? What are, you, what are the things that you're scared of? Um, and, and then kind of help you create a plan around it. And, uh, and, and it's anything from investment, management, which, but, but then it's, that has expanded a lot over the years and we're involved in estate planning, retirement planning, cash flow analysis, helping people budget. Um, it's it's a very more of a holistic plan. Yeah, and uh, Keith, you were at Merrill Lynch for a little bit too, right? Ah. I was. Uh, I was uh, at Merrill from uh, 2010 to 2015, right before I... Wow. So we overlapped a bit and I worked in um, global wealth and retirement services yep. for Andy Seek. So okay. wow. In a role uh, marrying wealth management with uh, investment banking for like uh, the reserve share product. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very so. Cool. so how did you even get into this world, Keith, of what you're doing in your <laughs> career from being an athlete? Like, was this something I know that your athleticism started when you were a kid and you were 11. But like, how did you was this something you were thinking about as an athlete all along or? Yeah, uh, so I always was passionate about fitness. It's like been a part of my life from my earliest memories. Um, 
when I was like five or six years old, I would like trail my parents jogging in a bicycle. And then it just kept going from there. And, um, and I have a younger sister who's a year younger. And like her and I just kind of moved in lockstep, just pushing each other with athleticism. And, um, and I, I guess when, as I got older and people would start to ask, like, what do you want to do and so forth? I, I would always like, oh, I want to start my own like gym or like open a fencing club, and and that's kind of like the trajectory I was on of opening a fencing club. Um, most of my friends do that now, like throughout the country or the or the world for that matter. And um, I realized that as much as I like fencing and stuff, there's a lot more in <laughs> fitness and and athletics than just that. So and I and I was living in a bit of a bubble. Right. So I, so I need, bubble. yeah, I was in a fencing bubble and an Olympic fencing bubble. So I needed to like kind of like step out of that world and um, and uh, so when I left Merrill Lynch, I uh, met a team of doctors from NYU to launch a uh, company where it focuses on integrating resistance bands into athletic clothing. So you burn twenty five percent more calories with each step you w- work uh, called Physiclo, and that's what really. Um, and I had always used resistance bands throughout my training and whenever I was injured and so forth. So um, I did that for a few years, and I was, uh, and then um, I was asked to come over to Chelsea Piers when they had the concept of uh, launching Chelsea Piers Fitness Brooklyn, and uh, it was it made like perfect best of sense. Both worlds. Yeah, it was. It's a home run. This is like my dream job, and I'm very very happy. Awesome. And Emily, so you kind of have like the reverse story where you you know, have been studying finance your whole life, but you're also a marathoner. So there's a point here, there's a parallel. (laughs) So, you know, so that's kind of like your background in fitness. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. So um, I I don't think fitness and and finance are so different from each other, because if you think about it, um, those parts of our lives are really the most intimate parts of our lives, our finance, and, and it really boils down to our relationship with with money, with with our fitness routines, what is our relationship with it? How do we think about money? How do we think about exercising? Um, and and there's a lot of parallels in the sense, if you have a goal, usually we have a goal of something, um, and then how do you get to it? And and that really aligns with both your your financial path. What is my goal? And and obviously you probably have many goals, some more short term, some long term, but then how do you, what do you do to start achieving those goals? And it really, but it falls in with the rest of your life. You can't separate everything, um, all these different parts of your life. They kind of all mold together. Um, But it's the same thing with fitness. When I'm training for a marathon, I don't, definitely don't consider myself a runner, but when I am training for a marathon, it's like I have this big goal ahead of me. What are the steps I need to take to get there? And it's, everything is about balance. You can't just only run. You have to mix in weight training with that. You have to mix in stretching and and yoga. You have to mix in um, good sleep routines, eating routines, nutrition. You have to mix all of it together. And then you have to balance all of that with with the people in your lives too, because it's not, you're not just solely focused on your money. You're not just solely focused on your uh, fitness routine. They all have to fit in with each other together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, Keith, you can add to that. (laughs) Yeah, no, I I completely agree with Emily. Um, You know, you have to have a balance Um, in, in fitness. If you overtrain, you're going to lead to like injuries and uh, you know, it's the same thing in any, anything else. Uh, If you like, there's a healthy balance with like, 
the amount of practice you want to do and so forth. So like, you know, your muscles don't like almost become like um, uh, you're, you're like setting them up for a lot of injuries and so forth. So uh, I think it's good to have a balance of balance of exercises, balance of like life experiences. Like you shouldn't like just be like, oh, yeah, I only like, you know, focus on like one hobby. And then you're like not that interesting to talk to and like you know you should be well read and things like that I you know when I used to um, in the Olympics like I would live in like um, uh, the Olympic training center or the Olympic village and like people you could barely have a conversation with people if it wasn't about like how many reps they were lifting or <laughs> or their last result and I was like uh, you know like there's more to the world than than just like uh, your athletic ability but you do like when you when you're training for the Olympics or you're launching a business or you're working in you're setting up your financial plan like you do need to start somewhere and set some goals oh, yeah. and then you need to set up the benchmarks. So like what are some of the steps like maybe Emily could start like what are some things that people could do like actionable things that they could do like in terms of goals mm-hmm. and then ways that they can start to achieve yeah. those goals and program it. Yeah. Uh, maybe it would help to highlight an example. Yeah. You know, a lot of a lot of people we work with want to retire someday, um, whether they own their own business or they're an employee somewhere. Um, ideally, you'll you know most people want to retire. So no matter what age you are, you have to look at that as okay. I don't necessarily know exactly when I retire, but when I retire, I want to have money in my portfolio because I'm going to have to live off of that. You know, uh, we have Social Security, of course, although <laughs> maybe that will look a little different <laughs> in the future. Um, so really, you have to be, uh, you have to depend on yourself to start saving money for that. Um, and what does that look like? It means, I mean, part of it is budgeting or looking at your expenses. How much are you spending? What is your income? Are you spending all of what you take home? Or do you put away some of it, whether it's in a 401k, a 403b, a SEP? Plan. There's so many different retirement plans, but are you saving for that? And if you're not, then you really have to take a step back and think to yourself, what are you doing or what aren't you doing? Where can I cut back? Why am I not saving anything? Have I thought about it? So it becomes steps. So the first step, of course, is just start putting money aside. Make sure that, you know, you log in at work and, and elect to have a certain percentage of your income go directly to your retirement plan. And then make sure you start investing it. If it just sits in cash forever, um, you're, you're, you're missing out. Um, so, so there are actionable steps. And, and then checking back in annually or, or whatever it is, um, you know, if, if you have to start if you realize you're not saving, you probably have to start checking in on yourself a lot more frequently. But once you get into good habits, you can kind of just check in with yourself, you know, annually, how much am I saving? What does my portfolio look like? What might that look like in 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 years, whatever your time horizon is? And is it working for me? So you're like the coach. So yeah, people check in with of. you. Yeah, right? yeah, exactly. Is that what you were doing, Keith, when you were at Merrill Lynch or a little bit different? A, l- a little bit different. I was working on the products that uh, Emily was uh, recommending. So like SEP IRAs and uh, uh, 401ks, um, reserve share, which is like the f- that was one I was deepest in where like if a company like Facebook IPOs, Mark Zuckerberg sets aside 5% of the shares for his friends and family and making sure all of his buddies uh, get their shares before the rest of the market uh, <laughs> can buy at the IPO price. Yeah. Interesting, interesting. Yeah. So do you feel like um, 
you know, do you feel like with with all of those things that you knew that you were leveraging your skills from being an athlete to sort of plan the rest of your life? Because you seem like you, you did a good job. Oh, thank you. Uh, no, but I, I think it's exactly what uh, Emily said. Um, where for me, from an early age, it's always been about like setting long-term goals mm -hmm. and then working backwards of, okay, here's my long-term goal, whether it's... Uh, you know, to get into college or go to get a college scholarship, get a go to the Olympics, and then really like saying, setting these really big goals, and then figuring out how do I get there, and like really leveraging people around. So um, when I was at Merrill, I had like a I would set these big goals, and and then I'd find mentors to help me. Like I was like, all right, how do I how do I navigate these waters? And similarly. When I um, launched my startup or the company, um, you know, I set big goals and then I just knocked on doors of like, hey, guys, you know, like I see you've done it. What, what am I missing? Where and how do and like just give me the play and I'll, and I'll run it. Like um, talking to other entrepreneurs, talking to other founders. entrepreneurs, founders, investors, uh, people that are like five to ten years ahead of me. And, I, and it's the same thing here at uh, Chelsea Pierce Fitness. Um, like this is. Um, you know, something I've always wanted to do and talking to other um, people that have run really big fitness facilities and, or hotels and so forth and like, okay, like how do you give that great experience every day and like what, what else do we need to be doing and like holding myself accountable. Um, that's the other thing, um, you know, uh, I've always been pretty uh, strict with is, uh, you know, setting these goals and then like measuring myself against the goals on a sometimes a annual basis, monthly basis, as frequently as a daily basis. Uh, when I was training, it was like almost every hour, just like, all right, did I do this? Like, last, like my whole day was just completely organized. And, and like, if I don't hold myself to those goals, then, um, you know, I'm not, I'm setting myself up for failure. Is that kind of what you do, Emily, with, uh, with yeah. wealth management and financial advising is yeah. also, and then personally, I'm sure you do it as well. But. Yeah, yeah, definitely with with our clients, and it's really it's neat because it's very individualized and personalized. Everybody, I, I really like following the human design yeah. uh, exercise earlier because, I mean, truly everybody really does have their own things going on in their in their lives, and right. we get to work with people, and right, we're keeping them accountable, we're keeping them on track, and and then personally, you know. At work um, or on my team, I keep saying team. I'm. We have um, seven people on my team, so mm. I, have, I have three senior partners, um, and then me, and then we have three associates. So it's really nice to have that a, a team. And I and I often compare that to sports. I played field hockey and soccer growing up. Um, we kind of all have different roles in, in some ways on the team and we can really help each other out if somebody you know if I'm working with a client and they come to me and they have this problem that I've never heard of or don't know how to handle I can go to one of my senior partners who has you know 15 20 30 years 30 plus years in the industry and I can ask them like hey I have this problem can you help me solve it and it's it's great it's a lot of mentoring and a lot of uh checks and balances and keeping each other accountable and and giving the best we can. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, I think that's really interesting. Um, do you have, are there any things that you're like recommending right now? Like, are there any like new things coming down the pipeline, like in the world of finance? And I know Keith, you can also speak to this, but I mean, that people should be looking at if they're either, even if like, I don't know how many people here are like next level already doing all this, like just here, like 
to hear, you know, some new cutting edge ideas. All right, how many people are here are like looking to start something? Start something. Okay. So Emily, what do you think? Like what's a good first step for everyone? Yeah. I, I mean I, I really think the first step is trying to understand what your relationship with money is. And I think that's the same thing about when you when you want to start Training. exercising yeah. or training like what it, where are you at right now why are you doing the things you're doing why aren't you doing things that you know you should be doing mm-hmm. and and then how do you start and then and then from there that's where you can start to say like okay I need help with this or this is what I need to do and and once you kind of have an idea of maybe your um, your emotional relationship with with money or exercise or whatever it might be um, then you can start taking those those first steps and writing out goals what are your goals writing down I think I mean for me it's just very helpful to write goals down and then you have something to visualize you know when I have that marathon on the calendar I'm like oh man I have to I have to start exercising again (laughs) why haven't I been exercising because I've been too busy I have all these excuses I'm too tired Um, but once I have that goal written down and I know what my excuses have been then I can start creating action plans to, to get to that place. So it's kind of like everybody's here at the gym with the goal of working out at some point today. <laughs> <laughs> What's the equivalent of that? <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, yeah. So uh, it's... Uh, what's the equivalent of working out? So, I mean, it's just being healthy. It's being healthy in your um, in your physical life and, and, and it's emotional balance too. I mean, we exercise not only to look good, but to feel good too. Um, with money, it's really the same thing. And in, in your financial picture, I mean, that's something that's so personal to us. And and my financial journey looks very different from Marnie or Keith's. And yeah, yeah. Uh, and if I if I yeah. may add Go something, I I think something that's important to know when you, if you're trying to start a business or anything, it's really important that your financial um, uh, personal finances are in order uh, because. In order to start a business, uh, and I discovered this when I launched my business, um, like some of my partners, you know, like they didn't have the credit history that they needed or they and so forth. And I was like, guys, you got to get it together. Or if you don't have enough savings because that journey to like get the business up and running to pay yourself might take longer than you originally projected. So um, thinking through all those what if scenarios and really being thoughtful uh, about that because if you're going to apply for a loan or even if you're going to apply seek money from outside investors they're going to look through their due diligence on um, the uh, entrepreneur and uh, whether it's a bank or a venture capitalist or whatever they're they're going to ask like hey you know like what's your credit rating or like are you willing to um, you know personally guarantee this money and so forth and uh, you know like just being like personally showing that you're fiscally responsible gives a lot of people um, confidence yeah yeah and, and how do you be fiscally responsible it's kind of like how you how are you fit you you go to the gym every day or you exercise you know multiple times a week with your financial life it's kind of the same thing you need to like 
check out your credit score. What does it look like yeah. now? If it's not good, what do you need to do to, to get better? So keeping, you know, keeping track of your expenses, um, trying to budget. And I know that's such a, a yeah. word that is I feel like, like expenses are like <laughs> calories. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Nobody wants to pay attention to them because it's painful. Like, yeah. <laughs> but, um, right, making sure you keep track. I mean, we have clients that, you know, I think people think of budgeting or tracking expenses as, you know, people that, you know, the uber rich don't have to worry about that, but it's, they do, they do, they, they, I mean, it's crazy. We work with people that know every single expense and can tell you on January 2nd, 2002, I had this purchase for this amount of money. Um, so, so being diligent about checking your expenses, checking with yourself, are you on track Mm -hmm. to your goals, you know, is, is what you need to do. And it's just, I think that's a parallel to to exercising. I mean, are you, if you want to be fit or if you're reaching a goal, you need to, you need to exercise. Yeah, I mean, Keith, I mean, you could speak to that, too, I'm sure. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Like, so, like, you know, if you want to be in shape or whatever, like, it, it's a balance. So you have to, um, you know, track, like, how many calories you're consuming versus, like, how many you're burning and so forth. And eventually it could become automatic. But if you're going to, you know, have a huge Thanksgiving dinner every, like, night, eh, you can't <laughs> expect to run on the treadmill and... <laughs> And like lose weight it's not it just doesn't work that way and so uh, I think a lot of people struggle with that or they're like oh you know like I went to the, the gym or, or whatever and did a class which is great that's a great first step but if you really want to like go to the next level you have to really start tracking everything to the point where you really are like in tune with your body and you know like how many hours of sleep you're getting how much sugar you're consuming how much caffeine you're you're consuming and then you can really um start to see the results that one might seek uh you know if they have this long-term goal of a vision of like being healthy or being able to run a marathon or um you know all of that requires a lot of uh, tracking and commitment and it could be challenging at times i wish it was on my watch like my workouts then it would be just so much easier to see it every second and be like hyper aware of it (laughs) (laughs) like my heart rate is 150 right now (laughs) yeah yeah that's low (laughs) that would be nice Um, and and i think kind of like to that point you know we have so much technology nowadays that there it does become a lot easier to track things but i you know, even our expenses, I had somebody recently ask me, you know, what do you, what, what, which app or which tool do you use to keep track of your expenses? And I'm like, I do use those, um, tools and and apps and and websites or, or whatever, but you don't really have a relationship. You're not really going to, to do it unless you block out time and actually sit down and digest it, look at it, keep those expenses. It's, you know, I have my fitness pal and I, actually physically put in my calories and that's going to keep me on track a lot more than just being like, Oh, I think there might be, you know, 400 calories in this piece of chicken. Maybe, I don't know. I'm just going to dump some dressing. It doesn't matter if you're not tracking it, then how can you, how how do you know where you are? And and you're not going to feel it. It's not going to, you're probably not going to change your, your develop new or better habits without spending time and actually sitting down and doing, you know, tracking your expenses or, or, um, counting your calories or you know measuring how how long are you exercising every day yeah and that kind of goes along with like doing the work like Mm -hmm. you get out what you put in I mean Keith that's I'll let you talk a little bit about that philosophy because that's a big philosophy in sports and training 
Yeah, no, I completely agree. I one thing I would say is over over the years what I discovered is you know, I'm not like the strongest or the fastest, but I definitely was known as one that worked the hardest across like a number of different sports, uh, you know, just training with other athletes. And um, uh, and I would see like people that were very talented, but they would uh, rest on their talent. And there's just no substitute for like really like putting in that hard work. And eventually it's going to pay off. And Unfortunately, many people want that immediate gratification, mm -hmm. so they get frustrated. They're like, oh, you know, like, I went to practice last week five times a week, and I didn't, like, hit the game-winning shot, or I didn't win the tournament. Like, yeah, that's true, but you're setting yourself up for success in years two and three if you continue to do that. Right. And um, that's something that I'm constantly... Uh, drilling into the heads of current Olympians or, or aspiring Olympians in any sport is like, hey guys, you know, continue to uh, put in that work, put in that training, uh, eat healthy and so on and so forth. And, and you will see uh, dividends from that um, when, when it's time for your, you to compete at the ultimate level. Yeah. I mean, how many people here are um, runners or doing triathlon or runner? You, I know, runner. Um, is everybody else here a yogi, or are you doing Pilates, yogi, Pilates? Okay, so it's because there's a little, it's a little bit um, different, right? When you're a runner or a triathlete, you're using training peaks and setting up goals and constantly looking and monitoring your 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 heart rate and your calories and your fitness levels, and it's like a whole other level of like insanity. But then when you're a yogi, you're trying to, you know, get master in asana or, or or pose or you know in pilates you're you're just trying to survive the hundreds <laughs> right i mean like is that sort of do you see i don't know for me i don't necessarily know the comparison with like yoga and pilates but i feel like um in terms of finances or finding that parallel but um i don't know do you guys see if you have have any thoughts on that yeah well, um i'm not a yogi myself <laughs> I struggle with yoga <laughs> um, but uh, kind of what Keith was saying earlier reminded me of um, you with your money too you have to be patient you're not going to necessarily get instant gratification if you were really good one month saving money um, but then the next month you don't do that you had too much fun or you had big expenses come up or something you know then after that month you're just going to be really hard on yourself it's um, it's it's long term diligence, and and two, you know, especially with with clients and and, and being invested in the stock market or um, or what, whatever investment you might be in your money is in. Um, you, it's you know you have to. It's a long term strategy. It's not necessarily you're not going to find necessarily the next Facebook before it explodes. It's it's having a goal. And then how do you get to that goal? And it's going to be long term. It's you know, you might not get instant gratification because kind of like as an athlete, you're going to have those days or those times that are really hard. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing with your money. You're going to have times that are hard and the, the markets aren't always going to perform how we want to. I mean, 2018 right. ended down in both stock and bond markets for the first time in a generation, the bond market was down. Oh, wow. So is yeah. So people were disappointed at the end of last year, but it's like, Okay, are we still on track to your goal? Yes. 
are we, is this a long-term strategy? Yes. Okay. Then, you know, having those checks and, and realizing that you don't always get instant gratification yeah. is super important. And I think that's the same thing when you're an athlete or training for something. Yeah. That was awesome. I think we can open it up to some questions. I don't know. Does anybody have any questions for Keith or Emily? I just have a question about um, budgeting. Should I leave this on? Yeah. Okay. Um, so my roommates are amazing, and they're so good with like finance and budgeting and telling me about credit cards and what I can get out of credit cards. And I'm just like, what? What's going on? I have no idea. And um, my roommate recently sent me over like a budget sheet formula that I could copy in and put my expenses in and how much are you making? How much are you spending? And I put just what I've spent within this year. <laughs> I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. Like, it's crazy. And I'm a server, so I don't, I don't know, like, exactly annually how much I'm making every year. And she does, so hers is a little bit different. So I guess there's a question for you more so because I think it's easier to track it weekly. Like, what, what do you think I could do to help me with that a little bit? That's a really good question. And, and I think for business owners, too, it can be a little tricky because your income fluctuates. It's not always the same. Um, kind of going back to what Keith said, make sure you have your finance finances are in order in the sense, do you have savings? So if you're somebody that when your in income is fluctuating, try to put some aside every single paycheck. Because when you have those weeks or months where maybe business in the restaurant was really slow and you don't have your incomes a lot lower you have savings to rely on um it's it's i guess it's going to be harder for you to project what you might be making um but but just keep every it really depends it's um it's you know, for me, I track my expenses monthly. Um, my income is a little fluctuating too, but um, I track it monthly. Now, other people, my one of my senior partners ex writes down his expenses every single day. So it's wow. what works for you because that doing it every day is probably very overwhelming for some people. So I think you're you're on the right track. Do it every single week if weekly is working for you. Keep keep doing that because even if your income is a little um you don't always know what your income will be you kind of have an idea of what your expenses are right um you know maybe something comes up but that's what's that's why having an emergency account or savings is so important um but but just keep keep tracking it and then once you've been tracking it for a while you kind of know you have an idea of what you're spending and when you're out with friends or you're shopping you you have a really good idea of like what can I afford what can't I afford um, and just always again making sure you have money you're putting money aside every single paycheck so you can give yourself some cushion when you're when your income might not be as high as it is during other parts um, but just keep tracking it keep writing it down and, and eventually it will kind of click I, maybe it's like um, playing the guitar, they, they tell you I've struggled. They tell you that eventually <laughs> it just clicks and you can move your fingers across the it's different true. chords. And yeah, yeah it's true. Um, but I, I think it's the same thing with with expenses. Um, just keep tracking it, and then you'll have an idea of how much you can spend. And, and knowing that you have a little nest egg of money on the side will hopefully give you more peace of mind. Yeah. So I'm going to date myself, but like I used to write checks. Like, does anybody know what a check is? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just checking. Because, no, because I feel like I've had a couple of different entrepreneurs on my podcast. And they range from being somebody who's, like, 25 to somebody who's 75. 
And the interesting thing is that I don't actually write checks anymore. I'm just kidding. But, you know, it, the interesting thing is that, like, talking to someone who's, like, in their 70s, who is has a company that has young kids that are, like, in their 20s that don't even know how to balance a checkbook. And I yeah. think that, you know, that there's, like, a digital version of that now. But it's so interesting because... I feel like back in the day, people had more of a connection because if you yeah. write a check, you see it, you have to give it to someone. There's a lot more involved in that process than like just Venmoing someone. It sticks with you. It forces yeah. you to you know pay it really pay attention. At least that's my experience. Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah. when I do Venmo, I forget who I pay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's why I think you know making all the people sure you that work for me are like looking at me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not Venmoing you. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. that's why actually carving out time in your schedule to exercise carving out time in your schedule to you know, sit down and budget or track your expenses is so important does anybody have any other questions come on you need one just one all right <laughs> i'm thinking of one. Oh, great can you guys hear it no one oh. second one sorry second. come over here sorry You'd said something, Whitney, about the markets falling at the end of 2018. How do you um, think that that will affect the real estate market in the next year? That's a good question. I, I'm actually trying to buy a house right now. Not a house, a studio apartment. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I'm from Ohio, so all of my friends in, you know, in Ohio, they all have yeah. big houses that cost a fraction of my little tiny studio apartment here. Um, it's a buyer's market right now. Um, but you know what, if, if you're trying to real estate, I, I guess I don't know. Sometimes real estate is parallel runs parallel to the markets, but sometimes it doesn't, um, really, oh, that's a good question. I'm, I'm, yeah. I, Do you know? yeah. I, I, I think it depends on, uh, the locale also, yeah. uh, depending on, um, supply and demand. So if you think about like, um, some parts of Brooklyn, there's just oversupply kind of coming online versus other parts where there's a there's just high demand and like, you know, like where it's like just you won't, you don't see as much turnover. So in those areas, the, the market will always kind of be stable. On the other hand, you know, we, we've seen this over over time um, when there's a lot of supply, um, just even locally where we are right now. Um, there's all these new high-rises coming on. And we saw this 10 years ago. Some of the developers decided to go from condos to rentals because they knew there wasn't enough of a, a market for people to purchase condos. So I think it, it's, it's, a, it's a very specific question on where you're looking. It, it's not like a broad-stroke question. Like, yeah. honestly, if you really wanted to, like, probably do get a high appreciation, you look at, like, some like place where uh like you see just a lot of like like where amazon's building you know like in like northern virginia or long island city if you could like <laughs> if you can if you can find a place in long island city or northern virginia that's gonna appreciate pretty quickly <laughs> yeah. yeah and i i, I yeah that i definitely agree with that and um you know I want to say back in two thousand, you know, in two thousand eight during the the recession and the financial crisis, you know, real estate was the big reason 
or the cause of the financial crisis. So it's very like hand in hand there, but it's not necessarily always that way. If you're, you know, if you're hoping to buy something this year, don't have your money in the markets because the markets can fluctuate crazy amounts. It could go up. 2017, it appreciated the whole year. There's very little volatility. But then last year, was, we had a couple corrections and, and um, the year didn't end positively. <laughs> um, so, so if you have a more short-term goal, like buying real estate in the next year, put your money into cash. That's, yeah. it's, you know, then you'll you yeah. have that there. You were going to say. Yeah, I would just add to, to build off of Emily's point, like if you're looking to like make any major purchases, you kind of have to pay attention to all the asset classes. So like, for example, I didn't know like bond markets were um, went down as much as uh, the stock market because I primarily pay attention to the stock market and real estate market. And, and, but there's also like other um, alternative investments and you just have to like kind of like at least have a broad understanding of like different asset classes. And if you don't, um, you should definitely speak with someone like Emily uh, that does um, because um, and I'm just I'm doing that now for myself because I'm like just so laser focused in like fitness and like just like uh, the asset classes that I'm very comfortable with that I've reached out to friends that still are in the industry. I'm like, hey, I think it's better that you manage my uh, wealth versus me trying to do it myself on the side because I'm. You know, I'm I'm missing things that I shouldn't be missing, and I and I recognize that in myself. Like I'm, like, I'm very honest with myself. I'm like, all right, I know, like, I I met I missed I missed the point, or in fencing, like I missed that I should have won that bout, and because I'm I'm just not laser focused on trying to be the best in finance. Well, you also said in the past that like it's really important to ask for help when you're doing these things and get advice from the experts. So, I mean, that makes sense. Um, yes, what's your question? Speaking of um, asking for advice from the experts, um, when is a good time to seek advice from a third party about your finances? Because I know a lot of people that, um, you know, just have like, you know, a nine to five or something like that. So it's pretty simple. What they feel like their life is, you know, pretty simple. They live in an apartment and whatever the case might be. So it's not a lot of, there's not a lot of mix up that needs to happen with finances. So at what point should we seek um, a financial advisor? Like, are we missing out on something by not doing it? That's a great question. That is a very good question. Um, Obviously there's no one right answer, but I would say, you know, if, if your financial situation gets any bit of complicated or more complex at all, other than just, I get my paycheck, I save a little bit for retirement, it goes into an account that I really don't have to look at, and the rest I, I spend. You know, if, if it's very simple and you can do it by yourself and you don't have to pay too much to investments, you don't have like a big, um, a large amount of money that you're trying to, to manage, um, you, you know, you might not need somebody like me to help you. Um, I, we have, I mean, we have, we work with so many different people at so many different points of their lives. Sometimes we'll, um, get new clients because they just inherited a large sum of money and they're like, what do we do with this? We know we're not just supposed to keep it in cash. How do we invest it? Um, sometimes we get clients because, um, even if they're not inheriting something, maybe they're the, an executor on an estate and they're like, what do we do? How do we, how do we 
manage this? How do we distribute it? Um, we get people who are business owners. We certainly work with uh, business owners, small and large business owners. <laughs> um, they they have business needs, um, so they maybe they need help with payroll. Maybe they need to set up a retirement plan for their um, business. Um, you know, once you start also personally being able to save more money and you get to a point where you're like, okay, I've, I'm past the point of, um, of, of saving for in putting money aside for an emergency fund, which is like three to six months, um, of living expenses. Um, and you, you need to start investing. Um, that's when it might be prudent to get help or ask for advice. We also, work with people they you know you've been employed for 10 years at a company and then you switch jobs mm -hmm. and you go somewhere else and all of a sudden you know your 401k from your last company is like what do we do with it we need to roll this over if you want to roll it into an IRA then you you know you, you'd ask a professional yeah. probably to help you ask how you'd invest it so there's really a whole bunch of different um, scenarios it's kind of when you get to the point where you're looking at your money or your situation you're like I don't know what to do I have a question even if it's a simple, maybe you have questions budgeting, like about budgeting. There are professionals out there that specifically help people with budgeting. Um, so I think it just it's it's really personal. And when you look at a situation, you look at your money, and you're like, wow, I don't know what to do with this. That's when I would suggest going to to a professional. Yeah, yeah, and and I would I completely agree. And just to build off of that, um, I think money is a very emotional topic. And having someone that can be emotionally removed helps a lot because, you know, like if you start uh, like thinking about it, um, people will like make decisions just off of their emotions. Like they'll buy something because everybody's buying it or mm -hmm. they'll like, you know, sell because everybody's selling it. And if you can speak with a professional uh, like at Emily where they know like, hey, you know, like there's peaks and valleys in the market and like you don't sell like when it's going down and vice versa. So like, let's, um, let's just like figure out your, a game plan and then we can make proper decisions. And that's the most, it's the same thing in fitness. It's the same thing in all aspects of your life. You know, like when you're applying for high schools or colleges and like you have like a guidance counselor that's giving you advice or your teacher like is giving you advice. Like, I think it would be best you go to this school or that school based off of your long-term goals. So that's how I look at it with finance. I think too when you know when I think about marathon training and and I say I'm not a runner because I'm you know I I follow a pretty simple plan and I'm not trying to win any races or beat my times and stuff but I know if I wanted to if I say like okay I want to qualify for the Boston Marathon yeah. I want to get under a certain time I'm hiring a coach yeah. I'm hiring somebody to help Definitely. me with nutrition I'm helping I'm hiring them to help me with strength training and setting um, schedules uh, and, and that's so I, I think it's similar to money if you have a goal or you have a situation where you're like I don't know the best way to do this that's when I would go and, and ask for help yeah. yeah and I think you also have to like as an athlete like I think you also have to find the right coach mm -hmm. too because not every person like and that goes back to the whole human design thing which we did earlier but I've gone through so many coaches with training for triathlon and you know it's finding the right coach who knows like how to motivate you and how to work with you and how to give you the space like I don't you know for finance as the same you know I think it's like knowing when to say like hey don't do this or do that or like not bother you and and I can speak to the topic of yoga because I've practiced yoga my entire life and 
I think there's a huge lesson in patience, and I definitely know that that has a lot to do with finance. I mean, depending on Emily mm-hmm. and Keith said what your goals are, but again, like it's it's all about the process, and it's never too late to start. Like the same thing yeah. with fitness and training. Like you know, I've have you know, I don't know. Like my like I will talk to my mother, and she'll be like, I can't. I can't get on the bike because I'm too old. And I'm like, you just go outside and go for a walk. Like, you're not too old. You know, like things like that. Yeah. And, you know, you talk to people and they're, you know, they're always making excuses for it being too late. I mean, I'm sure it's the same in yeah. finance. Like, you know, you're not, it's never too late to get started. Yeah. Yeah. We work with people that, you know, we'll meet people in their, in their 50s and they're like, I want to retire in five years, but they haven't saved a dime. And you're like, well, maybe we need to rethink that or let's look at what, what we need to make some big changes in your life. Um, but yeah, we try and remove the, the emotional reactions that it come that, that are, that we experience when we're dealing with money in the markets and investing and, and try and make rational and, and good decisions. So if people want to talk to you beyond today or reach out on email, yeah. um, I can share that information on our website or you can talk to Emily because she's going to hang out for a little bit after this. And Keith, same. Um, does anybody have any final questions before we wrap? No? Okay. Awesome. Thank you guys all for listening. Don't forget, follow Marnie on the Move, download the podcast, and make sure you follow, <laughs> make sure you follow Keith and Emily on Instagram and social media. And don't forget to work out. Yes. <laughs> Peace. Thank you. Thanks again for tuning in to Marnie on the Move. If you like what you hear, leave us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts. Follow us on social at Marnie on the Move for Facebook and Instagram and Marnie Salop on Twitter. Head over to our website, MarnieOnTheMove.com for more info on this episode, links in the show notes, and of course, sign up for our quarterly newsletter, The Download, to get updates, deals, giveaways, and information on future events for 2019. I want to hear from you. Email me, MarnieOnTheMove1 at gmail.com, and let me know what you're enjoying, what you want to hear more of, If you have questions for our guests, just reach out.